Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service for May 7th, 2023. Thank you and God bless. Yeah. 
seven five seven. Long after the lesson. And now to fifty six.
consider something we often do with kids and babies. And I was thinking of, uh, of Judah Nichols this morning. He's not here. They're off in Colorado this weekend visiting friends I used to see. But I've played this game with him, and probably some of you have. And I remember playing this with my own kids. But have you ever played peekaboo with a baby? And it's, it's an amazing thing. And I remember when we've had our first child, you're just trying to come up with anything. They're not good conversationalists when they're three months old, right? You're just kind of trying to come up with anything to pass the time. And you stumble upon the game of, of peekaboo. And uh, it really kills for about a six-month period. Okay, where it's like the greatest, the greatest game you've ever come up with. Okay. And you just put your hands over your face, and then they get that sense of, you know, if, you, if you're kind of peeking, where, where did they go? They're gone. And then you open up your hands, and you're like, oh, they were there the whole time. Okay? And looking up the science of what's going on there and why does that work is because humans at that developmental stage are still trying to learn what's known as object permanence. And the idea that even though you can't see something, it exists. Okay? We all, even though right now you can't see the home that you live in, you believe that it still exists, right? Downtown is just over that hill. Okay? Taylor Swift concerts have happened. Taylor Swift's concert is still to come, right? We're not currently seeing it. But yet we believe it exists, right? But when you're a baby, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. And what does it mean for us as people of faith to believe in things that we don't currently see? In our opening reading from Acts chapter 7, we see the story of Stephen. And we say that Stephen, the first Christian martyr there in Acts chapter 7, as he's being stoned to death, and if you're looking at our readings together, he, he quotes... Jesus on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit, which is actually Jesus quoting the psalm that Jennifer read just a second ago. It's a very beautiful kind of illusion there. But as Stephen is about to give his life as a martyr, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And what's amazing about that scene is nobody else sees it, but Stephen does. Because he believes things exist, even if no one else sees it. There's a certain angst, though, that we can experience in that struggle. Even the weather can have something to do with it. I don't know why it is emotionally for me. It's easier for me to believe in God on sunny days than rainy days. But also, in the struggles of life, have we not experienced things in recent years where you're like, it's hard to believe today. I mean, I believe Jesus is risen. I believe Jesus is alive. And yet, kind of hard to hold on to that at the same time. And there's that angst, maybe even a sense of abandonment that we feel as we cry out, where is Jesus and how can we see him? That's our reading today from John chapter 14. If you would stand with me. In the Gospel of John, this happens right around the Lord's Supper, the Passover meal, and this is right after the foot washing. If you'd like to join with me in, in two brief bold sections there, feel free. John chapter 14, 1 through 14, where Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, together, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. 
how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or is it the least believe on the evidence of the works themselves? Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One thing that always touches me about this passage is the sense of abandonment the apostles begin to experience when the one that they have followed all this time says, Hey, by the way, I'm leaving. And that is not what they signed up for, for him to just leave. And they're struggling with that sense of abandonment. I need you here. Because if you're not here, how can I experience your presence? How can I experience your blessing? How can I experience your companionship? I need you right here. And I want you to locate for just a second times in your life where maybe you've had that fear of abandonment. I've talked about this before because of my childhood experience of, of losing my mother and being in a single parent situation for several years. There were days when I would get out of school and I'd be waiting for my dad to pick me up. And my dad was on time 95% of the time. But that 5% of the time where dad might be two minutes late, three minutes late, maybe 10 minutes late because of traffic, I would stand outside the school and my eight, nine, 10 year old self would think, what if he's not coming? Like what if I have been abandoned? What if I am alone? In the midst of the hardship, what if no one's coming? And it's just me. That's the challenge of pain and suffering in this life. It's not just the pain and suffering. It's, well, as the song Be With Me, Lord, sings about. It's not just the pain and suffering. It's the sense that, are we alone in that pain and suffering? It's Jesus with us. And so what Jesus is trying to tell them, he's saying, even when... You can't see me. I'm with you. And trust me, you need me to go where I'm going. Because when I leave you, I will ironically be with you in a more powerful way. And this is introducing what we're talking about in the coming weeks with the coming of the Holy Spirit. God is with us in an even more powerful way because Jesus has left us and gone to the Father's right hand. And poured out the spirit. But in the midst of that, they're like, we don't know how to get to where you are. And he says, hey, I am the way. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on me. You'll get there. And they're like, what are you doing? And this is so hard for us to wrap our minds around. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. And uh, some of you may remember the days and singing songs. And we sing it every now and then. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, right? And how often have you said, in the midst of life's challenges, Jesus, I, I'll trade the mansion for you to show up right now. <laughs> like, why are you off doing it? Like, I want you right here. But what Jesus is trying to tell them is preparing the place for us is actually his way of being with us now. Preparing the way for us is actually how he is with us now because sending out the Spirit, and that's what he's talking about in John 14, sending the Spirit is how he prepares the place for us. I spent much of my life trying to figure out how all this works together. John 14, he's preparing a place for us, and then we read in a passage like Revelation 21 where Jesus will bring the New Jerusalem to us. And you get the sense of, ah, oh, that thing he's prepared, he's now bringing to us. And yet we have this sense of the Holy Spirit working on this earth. And all together, what is happening there is by sending the Spirit and by Jesus going to the Father's right hand, 
That is the means by which Jesus is with us now. In some ways, this is an allusion to the things that Sabrina and Jennifer and Robbie and others have been talking about in our Sunday morning class where we've been talking about how to cling to this idea of heaven someday, but also experiencing the kingdom on this earth. And I ran across a quote the other day that I really liked. This idea of God preparing things for us, but making all things new. Quote says, God's mission is to fully dwell upon the earth, to fill it with divine glory, and restore the reign of God in the cosmos. Creation, both humanity and the cosmos, is lost, then contested, and ultimately won and purified. On that day, earth itself shall become heaven. I love that line. On that day, earth itself shall become heaven. That's not a new sentiment. That's not something I remember hearing a lot growing up. But it's not a new sentiment. That quote is from 1903. And the person who said that was David Lipscomb. And several of us have had attachments to Lipscomb University not far from here in our tradition. Jesus leaves them not because he's abandoning them. Jesus leaves them to be with them in a more powerful way. To go and sit at the Father's right hand and pour out the Spirit so that he can prepare us, his church, so he can prepare the space of his rule, his kingdom, for his eventual return and the making of all things new. And so this place will become heaven. That is the hope. So what does it mean for us as people of faith? To believe in something that we cannot see. Our interview this morning is going to be Marianne Copeland. Marianne, let me go ahead and invite you up this morning. I give Marianne credit. She intentionally showed up five minutes late to make me nervous. <laughs> I'm surprised more of you haven't done that. Well, well played, Marianne. Okay. She walked in with a sly look on her face, knowing what she had done. Okay. I wanted Marianne to talk to us uh, this morning because twice Marianne has led brief groups of this church. She has a master's degree in counseling. And when it comes to clinging to faith in the midst of challenge, you're one of the people I thought of. But we'll, we'll back up a little bit here. Um, just for those who might not know you as well, share a little bit about kind of where you grew up, how long... Um, you know, where you lived, how long you've been at Ackland, kind of some things you've done. Yeah. I've been at Ackland consistently uh, since I moved back to Nashville in 2017. Um, prior to that, I lived in uh, Teton Valley, Idaho for about 15 months. Um, but I've been in Nashville since 2005. Um, went to grad school for Lip at Lipscomb in 2008 and worked at Agape um, for 10 years there. 2008 to 2018 so um, but uh, I don't know how far back I should go but I've done a lot of different things but I guess in uh, working at Agape nonprofit and uh, now currently work at Friends Life Community I've been there since 2020 so what drew you to Friends Life kind of what some of your what is Friends Life and what's some of your background with that community um, Friends Life is Friends Life Community is the uh, Nonprofit. It's close to Lipscomb on Granny White Pike, but it's a day program for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And my sister, um, my younger sister, uh, is diagnosed with autism, and she actually moved to Nashville and attended the day program there for a few years, and that's how I got involved there. So. And how many years have you been there full time at Friends Life? Since June of 2020. Okay. So. Approaching three years. Approaching three years. So as I was sharing twice now, you've led a grief group here at Ackland. Uh, what drew you to that type of ministry, and what have you learned from those experiences? Well, you you asked me. That's the You're not supposed to tell them that. You're not supposed to tell 
obviously I have a hard time saying no to JP because <laughs> I'm up here right now. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, you know, having, I obviously was drawn into the counseling realm because I went to school for it and worked at Agape and, um, you know, care, I guess. Um, uh, the uh, things I've learned, you know, I tend to always get more out of it than, I feel like I get more out of it than what I've put into it, but, um, you know, obviously gotten to know a lot of the members here better and have valued that, and uh, I've learned that time is a healer, and I think it's always good to be reminded that everyone experiences grief. It's the great equalizer, you know, if you haven't yet, you will, and it's always a good reminder. You know, I think about when I run into people who I feel like are being jerks or whatever. It's like, they're probably probably going through something. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in this season of Easter, as we're celebrating the resurrection, and we talked about a lot, we believe in a future resurrection where we'll live forever, we'll be re reunited with our loved ones who have passed on, but we also believe in experiencing seasons of resurrection in this life, Jennifer and her prayers referring to the robin's egg. Like we, we, we think of those times. So, what experiences of resurrection have you had, or maybe even witnessed in others? Well, I've, <clears throat> having worked at Agape for ten years, I definitely got to witness, you know, a lot of stories of resurrection. Um, what I've experienced personally in my own life, um, you know, I've experienced the death of a marriage, a first marriage, and um, along with that sort of self-esteem, you know, what I felt like was my reputation, um, things like that, but, you know, again, time is a, a healer, and um, just, you know, sh showing up <laughs> changes things, so. Uh, go into that a little more. What, is it, what does it mean in that sense to keep showing up? Well, I, along with that time too, you know, I really struggled with my faith. Mm -hmm. And when I moved back here in 2017, um, I felt very numb and dead in a lot of ways. And I just um, knew that this was a comfort because my brother and his family came here. And... Um, I just kept showing up, you know, and, and at the time they actually moved back to Paris where we're from. And I remember the first Sunday that I was here kind of by myself, mm -hmm. that Anka Simon and um, Ryan Thornton beelined it to me and gave me a hug and I, it felt really good. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of numbness, you know, it, it took me a long time still to feel, um, uh, the shells start to crack, I guess, um, chip away, so to speak, but just, you know, showing up and then it's like, oh, it's, I'm starting to get back to myself. Yeah. yeah. And I love how you depict that because I think we can have a notion of when I believe or if I believe I'll be part of a Christian community, but if I'm in a stage now where I'm sorting things out, I don't know where my faith is at, then I've got to figure that out before I come back to church. And what I hear you saying is my faith was all over the place and I just showed up in a faith community, but it wasn't intact. No, <laughs> it was, it was um, very dead uh, there for a while. And, you know, Sarah Edwards, my friend, came into my life at that same time too and reconnecting with her I brought her, and it was kind of, I mean, it was easy to hide behind her. <laughs> she, you know, it's like, yeah, she gets the attention. But it just was a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to go at my own pace here and for that to, to slowly come back. Yeah, well said. Last question. In this John 14 passage we've been looking at, we normally think of it as the I'm the way, the truth, the life passage. They're feeling this sense of abandonment. Jesus is trying to offer them comfort. What type of comfort do you experience in this reading? Um, I was thinking about it this morning. I can't help but 
hear that passage and think Jesus is like, yeah, these guys, you know, like, he rolls his eyes a little bit. Um, Did you say, dad, these yeah, guys? I love that. But uh, I guess verse 11 specifically, um, uh, the comfort for me is, of course, that he's there. But in verse 11, he says, at least look at the evidence of the works. Mm. Um, and it's just a reminder to me, a comfort that God is all around us all the time mm -hmm. if we look for it. And there is an action step in there to ask. Yeah. And, um, so uh, that's the biggest comfort to me is that also to remind yourself that feelings, like the feelings of abandonment and feeling lost, like they don't last. Mm. Um, that's, you know, alongside the grief group and things that we talk about, it's like feelings are feelings and they do fade over time so um happiness too you know it doesn't last always yeah. so <laughs> yeah so to be a part of something that is stable through those highs and lows i think it's a good reminder and kids and teenagers i hope you're hearing this if you ever feel like you're at rock bottom it's challenging it's difficult we want you to know we're there with you that feeling is not going to last forever mm -hmm. um it, it is going to get it's going to get better. You're going to experience a type of resurrection. And what I love about your story in that season of life where you're wondering where the presence of God was, what it meant for others, as you said, to make a beeline to you and just give you a hug. Mm -hmm. uh, that's some of what we're going to be talking about next week in next week's reading. This sense of we experience God in our interaction, in our community, in our love for each other. And that's why this is so important. It's, we're not checking a box for God to love us. We're trying to find God in this. Any closing words? I know that wasn't a question. No. I just passed it to you. <laughs> no. There's, I just a reminder that there is an action step that we have to ask. Yeah. yeah. To ask for God's presence. I love that. Well, um, thank you, Mary, and I really appreciate it. Larry, what is the song number again? Turn on. 757. 757. Church family, I just want to remind you. I want to remind myself. We have not been abandoned. Jesus has gone to the Father's right hand, but has not abandoned us. Jesus is the Father's hand pouring out the Holy Spirit so that we can even experience God at a deeper level and know that God is with us. We are never alone. Let us stand together and sing. <laughs>
um, that we can take with us not only today but throughout this week. We thank you for what this bread represents and the body that was broken for us, for us to be a community together, for us to reflect on how powerful that sacrifice was and how that allows us to try to be more and more like you each day. We pray that as we take this, we can remember those things and we can just pause just for a moment throughout our busy lives and weeks and remember you. This is Jesus' name we pray. come before you again. I'm grateful to be able to pause and reflect. Pray that this blood uh, represents the sacrifice that you made for us uh, to be able to come together in this moment to commune together. In Jesus' name we pray.
170. 
Thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness and into your light. Thank you for your presence, both in this gathering today and in our lives. Thank you for the reminder that we are not alone. Be with us this week in our homes, in our work, in schools. May we experience your presence even in the mundane moments, in the school pickup line, washing dishes, doing homework, and coming to work. Help us to acknowledge you and to honor you. Thank you for your love and for your, faith, for your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. get out of this, but then Amy informed me, that, or Paul informed me, I had last week's bulletin to show Chris Church with the announcements in. <laughs> but anyway, Gene told me, he said, have some humor when you give the announcements. I'm like, I'm not very humorous. The only funny things I thought about during the service today was that Brian Thornton wore a tie, and my neck was too fat to get my collar buttoned. Uh, done, so I couldn't wear a tie. And uh, while Larry was leading that song, No One Stands Alone, the thought that went through my head was, I have nothing here to treat him if he drops alone. <laughs> he gets a pneumothorax, he's at the mercy of 911. <laughs> Birthdays, anniversaries coming up, May the 10th, Adrian Ewing, and uh, birthday, and Dave and Christie's 26th wedding anniversary is May the 10th. And um, other congratulations are <clears throat> that uh, we've got some folks that graduated from college this weekend. Uh, Kate and Diffenderfer and Kami Jones from Belmont and Sean Mann from Lipscomb University graduated. Congratulations to them. It's exciting time and scary time. Mostly exciting. And Eli Sullivan is graduating, <clears throat> I think later this month from Valder College Prep. He's gonna go to Rolls Holman Institute of Technology this fall. So that's great. Uh, congratulations to Eli. Um, the, uh, the little pantry is always in need of donations. Uh, it's not on your bulletin and failed to get on there <laughs> uh, this week, but uh, they have listed canned vegetables, noodles, beans, soups, canned meat, cereal, peanut butter, and diapers, and uh, you can drop them off in the foyer, or I think they then they take it down to where the little pantry store is for them. Well, I was going to keep in mind uh, uh, those that need prayer, uh, our missionaries, <clears throat> and uh, especially Manuel <clears throat> Manuel Perdomo, diagnosed with colon cancer. And uh, I don't know if he's going to stay in El Salvador or what, but um, um, of course Chuck, Stina, Jackson, and Shirley, and then those that we pray for in veteran cancer treatment. Um, and our other missionaries, the Millers, Lindsey Cranks, and Hawakia Jones, and and uh, benefits Byron's Nizam, <clears throat> Guatemala. Some upcoming items. Today, I think it's the last day of the small group, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, today, and then there's a break in small group until like August something, okay, in the fall. 
June, uh, June uh, 4th begins the National Work Camp. And uh, if uh, the kids want to participate in that, then they uh, do have to pay. <laughs> I think it's $100 per participant <laughs> to uh, act on then, uh, of course, the, uh, I think they didn't have to pay their money to, for them to do the work camp. And uh, so, uh, Mission Week is coming up in late June, 25th and 28th. And then they have prep, prep week, uh, June the 11th, I think that's Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. for those involved in that. And I won't go on beyond that uh, as far as all the other upcoming things, but uh, there's Paddle Day again coming up July the 16th. I don't know if I'm working that day. <laughs> I always like Paddle Day. Of course, I almost cut my thumb off one year doing that, trying to separate frozen meat patties. But anyway, so is there anything else that uh, I missed? Congratulations to our graduates and Eli and birthday and Dave and Christy on their anniversary. Great. So there's a fellowship downstairs, coffee, I assume donuts. <laughs> Have a good week. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.